0: This is Agents Influence Podcast.
1: I would love to see EIA, Big Eye, various different state associations adopt this, is we have a real lack of mentors in our industry. Because I think where you're filling that void, and it's excellent, Jason, and what you're doing, but there's not folks that are out there that are teaching new or insurance agents how to prospect, how to get over the fear. And what I am doing is to, to help some of those agents that just absolutely will find a hundred different things to do besides Pick up the phone and make the call. I'm Jason
0: Cass, and we're going to help you think differently, change your agency, change your finances, change your family. And in the end, we're going to change an industry. Let's go. Hey, once again, everybody, this is Jason Cass with Agents Influence Podcast. Uh, As always, I've got a great uh, guest for us today, and I think you're going to like him. I've been trying to search in the LinkedIn uh, Google world out there, and I say that because it seems like a, a lot of good people that I'm finding out online, it seems like when I'm looking them up, trying to find out more about them seems more and more Google leads me back to LinkedIn I don't know about you guys but LinkedIn is becoming literally one of my favorite uh, social sites uh, Ryan Hanley and I were talking about it last week and He's loving Instagram, but what he calls LI, so I guess I should call it that as well because everybody wants to be cool like Ryan Hanley. Uh, LinkedIn um, is really becoming a major, major tool. And to be honest with you, it seems like it's very fitting for the independent insurance agent when we own 80 plus percent of the commercial lines market and you're dealing with a lot of business owners, CEOs, or people who are involved heavily in some type of business, whether an associate staff member or whatever. Um, so I think you guys are finding the value of it. Today, we are going to have uh, Mr. Kevin um, Mokel. I guess I'm hopefully saying his his na- last name correct. He is a CIC, CPIA. He's a, according to him, he's a recovering insurance agency owner, LinkedIn marketing expert for insurance agents, and creator of the 96% retention program. And so he is who we're going to be talking to here in just a minute. I don't. Once again, I don't know when you are um, listening to this podcast. We've got a couple already scheduled to go out, so you're probably going to be hearing this uh, today. is September fifth. Probably going to be hearing this a little bit later, um, but I will let you know that the room block uh, for Grow Lab 2017 is pretty much booked. I know we've got a couple others. I know Monday night and Wednesday night. Um, are pretty much booked. We called and we got a couple booked, uh, a couple bumped up because as embarrassing as it is, um, Joey and I have yet to even register me him or Travis, who's going to be coming from my office. So we have to get it booked or bounced up a little bit, but this is for everybody who is registered. Um, and this is uh, for those who aren't registered and are thinking about it. The room block is there and it is pretty much booked. It's a $139 room rate. It goes up from there. Um, if for some reason you're late to it because you're like me and you register for these things at the end, hit me at jason at growprogram.com, jason at growprogram.com, and I'll do the best that I I can. I'm working with Maggie there at, uh, at the hotel in downtown Charlotte. And I told her, I said, listen, us insurance agents, we wait till the last minute for everything. Um, she said that she would work with us, but at the same time, there is another conference that's going on in the hotel. And so she is very, very limited and might have her hands tied. Please keep in mind that you do need to come to Grow Lab 2017. I also want to say there's a lot of people out there. A couple things here. When I ask you and tell you about Grow Mastermind, a lot of you guys find us online at the Facebook, uh, at Facebook, at the Facebook, at the Facebook group, uh, the Insurance Agent Mastermind. And a lot of you guys are asking and requesting to be part of the group. And then you get upset and send me a message when I don't approve you. Folks, you have to go online to growprogram.com and you have to register as a Grow Mastermind member. That's what you have to do. That's how you get access to the group. That's how you get access to the uh, the the free live sessions that are happening on the second and the fourth Thursday of every month. That's how you get access for free to Grow Lab 2017. That's how you get access to all the discounts for Marblebox, Insurance Agent Mobile App, Advisors Evolved, all Rocket Referrals, Tech Canary, all of our six sponsors that we have. That's how you get access to this. So I do apologize. For everyone who likes to hit me um, on personally on Facebook messages or on the Grow Program Facebook page, I'm sorry, but that's the way that it is. So I, I thought I've made that clear in the other 270-some podcasts that we've done. But once again, I'll do everything I can. You can even hit me at, Jason at growprogram.com um, if you have any more information in that. And our Grow Mastermind, I got to tell you, has been growing. I've got, gained 11 new members just in the last month and uh, i'm looking forward to it because some of them are absolute rock stars which are mixing well with the other rock stars really excited about it awesome stuff awesome stuff but in the meantime uh please join us if you want to find out more at growlab2017.com growlab2017.com it is october 24th and 25th you still have time um, to get in there and go so let's do this but let's get to what this is really about and let's bring on uh, the recovering insurance agency owner, Kevin. And I'm gonna, Kevin, did I say your last name correct?
1: You nailed it, perfect.
0: Kevin Mochel, uh, who, which is a, once again a CIC, CPIA. I love CICs because CICs shows that you have a dedication to the insurance industry. Less than I think 24 or 23% of licensed insurance professionals in America are CICs. So that just tells you right there that he, when you believe in the 80-20 rule, which I've done a couple podcasts on, you uh, understand that uh, the 20% are the ones who make up majority of the business that the other 80% work for. So, Kevin, uh, kudos to you on taking that out. And what exactly is a CPIA? I apologize. What is that?
1: The CPIA is a certified professional insurance agent. The uh, the PIA Association Ah. developed this several years back and and adopted this program as their
0: own. So, that makes sense because the CIC, for everybody that doesn't know, is done through the National Alliance. um, And they have kind of partnered with... The more the big eye side. Um, uh, so we have the big eye and then we have the, the PIA, which, um, my goal in life is to get those two to not be, um, competing against each other because they need, because we're all on the same team here. Um, and I think you may even agree about that, Kevin.
1: What are your thoughts on that? No. Um, you know, the, In some states, they have come together and they've done a great job coming together. But in other states, there's still quite a bit of division uh, between the two. And it's, it's unfortunate. Um, I think if, if they could come together in all of the states out there, uh, it's going to be a benefit for insurance agents as a whole. Uh, there's a lot of, of resources that both of those organizations, especially from a, a lobbying standpoint, bring to the table. And, and to split those up, I think, is just crazy.
0: And I agree with you emphatically what you just said because they do have each their own resource. And I will just tell you this, making a little jab at the big eye because it's warranted. And what that has to do with is I do a lot of uh, speaking engagements for the big eye and I also did for the PIA. What's amazing is, is whenever I tell somebody at a big eye event that I've also done or I'm going to speak at in the coming weeks at a PIA event, they'll always look at you like, oh, Like, oh my gosh, and they'll always down the PIA, not always, but majority of the time they do. What's amazing is, is I've never had that same experience when I'm talking with a PIA member to a big I member. And at the end of the day, when you relate the big I and their type of uh, uh, member that they're looking for versus the PIA, about 65 to 70% of the independent insurance agencies out there are five people or less. And that's actually who the PIA represent the best. When you go to those meetings, you'll start to realize like, wow, hey, these are the people that are more like me rather than these bigger brokers of 20, 30, 40, 50, 80, 100, 200 um, people. And you're thinking to yourself like, wow, they operate in like a different universe than me. So uh, if you ever are have looking at the PIA or the big Eye, look at them both. But don't look at either one of them biasly because I think you'll be definitely surprised. And I can speak firsthand to that because I have gotten very or, um, involved with those PI organizations in the last couple of years. Uh, so here's what we got, man. Uh, let's just start right off here. Are you an iPhone or are you a Droid user? I'm a Droid user,
1: have been for years. Boom, 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 boom. Love it.
0: What's the last and coolest app that you downloaded? Business Life, What? What is, what is um, it?
1: One that, that I just started using. I've been using Zoom on the computer to do video uh, conferences uh, for, yeah. for quite a while, but really just started using that on my phone recently. So that's probably the, the newest and most used app uh, other than social media apps that I've got right now.
0: Kevin, do you love to win or do you hate to lose? I hate to lose hate to lose. You want to give me why off the top of your head you'd feel that way?
1: You know, competitive. Um, obviously, if if, uh, if you win, that's, that's, I think, a short-term euphoria that you feel. Uh, but if you lose, gosh, that sticks with you so much longer. And you learn stuff from it, you know? Absolutely. Te- teaching opportunities in just about everything you do. That, you're darn right
0: about that. What is it? Uh, I've probably said this before. Zig Ziglar said, you never fail. You just figured out a way that didn't work. You know, Travis and I were talking about this at lunch the other day. Um, you know, I don't know exactly what the, what the amount is, but like Thomas Edison, they said used over like 5,000 filaments before he finally came up with the right one. Now, let's just say through history that that's been exaggerated by 80%. That means that he used a thousand filaments before he found the right one i mean talk about dedication talk about somebody who had a belief you know the the old saying is 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 uh i'll i'll believe it when i see it and sometimes you know one of the the biggest gifts that we have in life and and even in a religious standpoint but also in life is it's those who those who believe it and then see it are the ones that usually change the world thoughts on that kevin I, I I agree with you completely. Um, I 100% agree with you, Jason. I know. it's it, it, we, We've got that backwards, like so many things we do in life. So many things we do in life, we have them backwards. It's like Jim Rohn said, find out what 95% of the people are doing and do the exact opposite and you'll be successful because majority of the time our culture teaches us the wrong way. And as we're... Learning the business as we're learning life, as we're learning to be a family, um, as we're learning to be a father or a, or a brother or sister. Sometimes we take along the people who have written the book of life. And what's amazing is, is those successfuls don't usually follow the book of life. They've usually taken what they've learned, tested it out in their own environment and said, hey, that didn't work or it didn't work or it did work. And so if any of you are out there who you say, you know, I'll believe it when I see it, what I, um, what I, or I'll see it when I see it, then I'll believe it. I think you need to turn that around and say, you know, do I, I'm going to believe it and then I'm going to see it. Um, it's going to believe, it's going to have a belief in your agency, a belief in yourself, um, it, you're not going to all of a sudden see yourself dressed in a nice suit, and then believe that you're going to be successful. What you've got to do is you've got to believe that you're going to be successful, and all of a sudden you're going to see yourself dressed in a nice suit. Uh, maybe you don't wear a suit. I don't wear suits, but I'm just saying you guys get it. But anyways, and, you know, Kevin, let's bring this back to you and about you because that's what it is. Tell us about uh, you. Give us, you give us, take some time here, real quick. Let the let the loyal listeners connect with you. Take us back you know, whenever you want diapers, high school, college, and bring us forward to
1: where you are now. Sure, sure. Um, I was in college and got a call from my best friend's dad, who was a very, very successful insurance agent, uh, said that uh, his agency that he worked for had an opening and would I be interested in some part-time work and going to college. I I jumped all over that opportunity, uh, something, you know, 15 hours a week uh, could perfectly fit my schedule. So, I went to work for a very large agency that was uh, shortly acquired by Arthur J. Gallagher. I uh, uh, started uh, that, that particular um, job, and I was reviewing motor vehicle reports for a very large program. Uh, within a few months, I um, started to give me some additional responsibilities, and uh, three years later, uh, I uh, left that particular agency and had kind of advanced up from an assistant account manager to a full-time account manager, and then eventually ended in the uh, national programs department working with things like Radisson Hotels, Applebee uh, franchisees, um, national uh, hospitality type of risk. Uh, at that point in time, insurance, uh, I was hooked. I'd been adopted by some uh, producers in that particular agency, they wore nice suits, they drove nice cars, they, they went to expensive dinners, and I thought, this this is it for me. And I never looked back. Uh, had a had a couple jobs at a couple agencies uh, until finally in 1999, Jason, I, I was one of the smart ones and started my own agency. Now, when I say I was one of the smart ones, I did it the smart way. I had a non-compete agreement in place, so I couldn't take any clients with me and I had no carrier contracts, but I figured I could do it better than uh, some others in town were doing it, and so uh, struck out on my own. Uh, built that agency up over a twelve-year period. By the time I sold it in two thousand twelve, had contracts with most of your national insurance carriers. Had a staff of producers. Had a staff of uh, account managers. Uh, but it was it was a learning experience. When I left uh, that agency in two thousand twelve, I thought that I knew lot about running and operating an insurance agency. Uh, and so I took a little bit of time off and, uh, started tearing up the house. My wife, uh, finally got tired of me tearing up the house and not putting it back together. I'm a huge DIY channel, uh, person. And she said, you got to get a job, Kevin. And insurance was all I knew. So, uh, worked as a marketing representative for a, uh, an MGA and, uh, was responsible for about 400 insurance agencies in a four-state territory, and I'll tell you, that was actually one of the best things that I could have done because when I left in 2012 my own agency, I thought I knew a lot, but now I was able to walk into about 400 other insurance agencies, and I learned so much more about owning and running an insurance agency, because I'd, I'd walk in and I'd really would look at them with different glasses than a lot of your marketing carriers uh, will walk into your agency and, and, and do your operations um, And so for me, that was, I think, just invaluable um, for, for really kind of figuring out how do other agency owners do it. You know, I worked with very successful agencies. I worked with, uh, I'm going to say, average agencies, and I worked with some really poor performing agencies. Uh, but I made sure that I learned from, each and everyone. And then I started uh, a consulting business last year, working with insurance agents and agency owners um, on a couple of various different topics.
0: You no, know, and I'm, I've got a lot of that. You know, some of the things I love this. Uh, You are so right, because that is really what got me going back in 2012, 2013 was working with other agencies and thinking to myself like, wow, like I, they really are fingerprints. Each one is unique. And um, some of them were some, something that I said, 75% of this business does it better than I do. And then some of those were like AMS systems where I thought, okay, I'm only going to take one or two good things out of this. Um, because, but that's one, one thing that helped me catapult in, into writing my book was being able to see all these different things and going, wow, this works. I didn't think about this. This doesn't work. I didn't think about this. And, uh, it, it was pretty, pretty amazing. So uh, at the time, I was really huge into Facebook and um, and doing a lot of different things. And I think that platform has completely changed, especially since 20, 2009, 2010, when I first started using it, um, for all the reasons that you can listen to in my podcast back from 2013, 14, and 15. But LinkedIn is something that I think is very intriguing today. I've been on LinkedIn for Well, Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube were my first that I took uh, possession of on April 12th of 2010 um, in a business sense. And ironically enough, back in 2011 or 2012, I've mentioned this many times to loyal listeners, I actually predicted that LinkedIn would be dead um, by now. And the reason why is because it was just like someplace you logged into and kind of looked around and you really didn't have any value. And I think it slowly built its value, but it seems like ever since Microsoft came on, and took it over, I mean, it's just shot to the moon. And and to say what's different, uh, you know, one thing I would say is probably the most different is that there's actually people there. Before in 2013, 2014, 2015, if you live in a small town, you're very familiar with what I'm saying. It seemed like no one was there, no one that you associated with or anybody that would be close. It was just like the big business people and didn't provide much value. Today, it's like everybody's there there's a ton of intelligent for everybody who doesn't like facebook because there's a bunch of retard excuse me i should not say that there is a bunch of dumb people who are on there i mean sometimes kevin these people are so ridiculously dumb i just want to run i just want to run far far away and off this planet it blows my mind Um, the other day i found out that there was people who actually called nasa and asked them why they did the eclipse on a monday (laughs) No joke. It's actually reported. There's actually reporting on Forbes magazine that people put sunscreen on their eyes to protect their eyes. I mean, these are actual doctor records, medical records of people going to the insurance or going to the, the hospital. You can also look on at, there's an article in the hustle and it shows Google's traffic coming in. Um, off of people who were searching around from about 11:30 to 1:30 in the afternoon, my eyes hurt, and it spiked up. Like, I mean, how many times did we tell people not to look at the sun? So once again, I just want to run far away. Sorry for that little rant there, but I've noticed that one of the things that um, we are lacking is I think there's a lot of people out there that talk about the things they can do on LinkedIn. And a year, year, with your program that you have, you focus on commercial accounts, which obviously sounds um, pretty normal. Once again, I would be curious to see somebody who's actually doing it in personal lines. I think high value clients is something. This is a prime spot for them. Um, but you say that you've never encountered another proven as effective for insurance agents as the program that you talk about now I want to talk about before we get off so you loyal listeners know after this we're going to talk about his 96% retention program but right now um, when you were growing your agency I mean when did you finally start getting into LinkedIn and kind of realize that you had a special program that you could help insurance agents with it
1: you know, when I was when I was growing my agency, I was on LinkedIn, but I was not active on LinkedIn. Um, I was active on Facebook at that point in time with my agency. But I'll be honest with you: back, uh, you know, in, in two thousand twelve range, I, I didn't know what I was doing. Or, or actually, let me rephrase that: I wasn't using social media appropriately. Somewhere out there, Jason, there's there's someone that was very very wealthy because they went around and they taught insurance agencies how to use social media. And it's it's the stuff that you still see every single day. It's the posts on uh, why life insurance is important or, you know, eight, eight tips for new team drivers. And it's, it's content that we as risk managers think it's valuable, but it's not content that our consumers want to see on social media. Um, and, and I was just guilty of, of uh, posting stuff like that uh, back in the day. It really wasn't until uh, just a couple years ago when I was introduced into a different way of using LinkedIn uh, that I became hooked. Um, I, I think one of the big problems with LinkedIn in general today is people are very, very weary of new connections and, and uh, reaching out to, to people that they don't know because, get, and, and I did not coin this phrase. But you get those leg humpers out there. And the leg humper is someone that as soon as you connect, you're going to start being bombarded with messages from them on their products or their services. And there is a different way out there to grow your connections, uh, to network with other folks. And, and really, the goal for anyone on LinkedIn or Facebook or Twitter um, or Instagram is, is to create an environment where people... Get to know you, get to trust you, and get to like you. Um, and, and I think once you adopt that, that mentality, uh, everything that you do with social media starts to change, uh, especially for insurance. So what
0: is maybe some of the keys or tricks, uh, without giving away the sauce once again, that do you feel? I mean, is it it specializing in using LinkedIn ads? Is it the way that you're connecting with people? Um, Yes, and you do. I think you said the leg humpers. Is that what you call them? Yeah. Yeah, the leg humpers. I I really cannot stand it. I mean, I, I actually made a post on there that was my biggest engagement post ever was just stop. I mean, I'm so tired of these people connecting with me just because... I connect with them and, you know, I'm a, I'm, I'm a sucker for it because if you're in the insurance industry and you want to connect with me, there's odds are you listen to the podcast. So I just connect with you automatically. Um, some other people like the programmers and the website people, I don't. But now I'm also seeing that some people are starting to automate that leg hump to where it's not even really them that's sending in the connection request. It's because you sent that. Well, you accepted the connection request and now it's automated a program to where it hits them. Now, I went off on one guy a couple of weeks ago, like, dude, this isn't even real, and all this stuff like that. And he came back and he said, You're right, it's not real. He said, But about 10 to 15%, which is the same as my marketing with email, he said, are opening it and making setting up a call with me. He said, So you can hate it all you want, but if it goes to 100 people, I've got 10 to 15 people that are replying back and saying, Hey, let's set up a call. Now, whether he goes from there and what his success is of closing them, I don't really know. But he did kind of drive home a point that, you know, you can hate it all you want, but there is that percentage that it's working for. What are some of the ways, what is maybe the top way that you're trying to explain to agents like here's how you become successful on LinkedIn?
1: Uh, two two different approaches that we uh, deploy. The first is um, on the the messaging. Um, I, I'm a firm believer that you need to message, but you need to be very very cautious in how you do it. Uh, what we do with our uh, our clients is we spread the messages out. Uh, usually three weeks is is a pretty good time period between messages. And just like in in anything else that you do in life. The goal of the message is to provide valuable content to whoever you're sending that message to. Uh, maybe it's if uh, you've got a blog, uh, maybe it's a very popular post that's out there, uh, maybe it's someone else's content that's out there. But the the goal for these these messages really isn't isn't necessarily to say, hey, look at me, look at me, look at me, Can we talk. It's hey let me help you in your particular business. So if we're targeting a a contractor, for example, um, maybe there's something relevant in that particular um, industry that's going on and and we can see the message and and direct that contractor to a a piece of of content out there. Um, We'll do that uh, for roughly uh, three to to six different messages, just depending on the situation. Um, and, And at that point in time, the, prospect is hopefully going to start to recognize names. You're going to start to be familiar to them. Um, And hopefully at that point in time, you've gained a little bit of trust. And and we will deploy eventually um, a message where we're asking to uh, set up a a time for a chat, whether it's a phone chat, whether it's a video chat. Um, And that's not necessarily a chat to uh, jump up and down and say, would you buy my services? It's let's get to know each other chat. It's a, it's a slow process, Jason, but it works in the long run. Uh,
0: we so, it's a, so it's a method of, let's talk about that offline. Um, it's calling up the person and saying, hey, let's have lunch. And we've all been taught that when you go there and you talk about, you don't talk about your product or you, even when the other person may say, hey, tell me about what you do, you give them a little 20, 30 second, mm-hmm. and then you turn the conversation back to them. And it's not until that warms up after maybe one, two, three meetings that you even discuss insurance. But you're just doing that now online through LinkedIn.
1: That is correct. That is correct. So, okay. you know what we're doing is is we're trying to, to replace the traditional cold calling methods that are out there. Um, you know, a typical cold call for an insurance agent is to, in most cases, try to get an X date um, and at that point in time, a lot of what you talk about, or at least what I see with a lot of insurance agents, what they talk about is insurance, insurance, insurance. And and so we're trying to warm this prospect up. Uh, obviously, we're going to get to insurance. Um, we're going to get that X state. We're going to hopefully get an opportunity to work with them. Uh, but we're, we're creating a completely different paradigm in, in which they're more open to work with us versus uh, just getting a cold call out of the blue that interrupts their day. And, and I'm, a, I'm a huge fan of cold calling, don't get me wrong, uh, but this is just a different way to go about doing it.
0: Hello, loyal listeners. Hey, are you a local agent struggling to find markets for your client? Maybe you, maybe not. Look no further than Nation Brokerage Solutions. With over 200 carriers, their comprehensive options give you what you need for your customers' ever-changing needs. interrupts you use the word interrupts because in fanatical prospecting he talks about that one of the reasons why we're least likely to reach out somebody through whether it's through phone or whatever is our knocking on their door it happens to do with the fact that we don't we are conditioned as humans to not interrupt somebody else um and one of the ways that he proves that in the book is is he says you know if you have an auto or home with somebody um and uh Let's say you have the auto but not the home he challenges agents go ahead pick up the phone right now and call them and try to get their home insurance the person already knows you they already buy from you they like trust and know you but yet you still have a hesitation of pulling picking up that phone um, due to the fact that you don't want to interrupt them and once you can get past that interruption with strategic ways obviously um, it allows you to feel a lot more comfortable prospecting. And, and, you know, sometimes I've read some of your articles, The Seven Key Habits of Top Insurance Producers. Ironically enough, um, the, the top three literally have to do with uh, prospecting. And I've, I've been a, a huge believer um, over that. And, and with some of the agencies that I'm going to be uh, helping out in North Carolina uh, with my new ultimate throwdown that I'm doing uh, That's my number one thing. If I can teach them how to prospect effectively and systematically, um, I don't care who you are or if you're an introvert or you can't hear or you can't talk or you're bald or whatever it could be, uh, where you think it maybe you have a reason why you're not able to um, sell or be successful as you can be, 99% of the time it has to do with prospecting. If you keep your pipeline full, you'll be more successful than you ever thought possible.
1: Am I wrong, Kevin? No, you're absolutely right, and you know one of the big. I was I was given a speech at a um, PIA chapter for a state uh, about three weeks ago. One of the things that I brought up, and, and I would love to see PIA, Big I, uh, various different state associations adopt this. Is we have a real lack of mentors in our industry. Okay. And this is, I think, a, where, where you're filling that void, and it's excellent, Jason, and what you're doing. But there's not folks that are out there that are teaching uh, new or insurance agents how to prospect, um, how to get over the fear. And so, you know, this, this is in what I am doing is to, to help some of those agents that just have that call reluctance. That just absolutely will find a hundred different things to do besides pick up the phone and make the call. Um, what I do and what I provide is, is the method or an avenue for them, uh, to get some prospects in the door and not have to, to, to face that fear, uh, of, of, uh, picking up the phone and making the phone call.
0: So switching topic, topics here, Kevin, uh, one of my mentors, which is very, very, uh, the best mentor ever, it was two years ago that I did a podcast on Mike Beard, his daughter actually works for me now, um, is uh, he, he taught me so much. He taught me more than in the first year or two than I think most agents get taught ever. And he was really, really essential to where I am today. And one of the things that he talks about is he says, the business that stays is the business that pays. He also can reverse that and say, the business that pays is the business that stays. And he used to say that all the time because he was always harping on retention. You've created this thing called the 96% Retention Program, um, and it allows you to uh, identify weak areas and lead to lost renewals and revenue, um, and it actually helps you uh, assist in blocking the back door. I want to read here for a second uh, Why I'm taking this right off of your LinkedIn profile. It says the average insurance intention is 85%. Kind of blew my mind. I thought it was a little bit higher. I would have said 88 to 89, but that's okay. Um, this means for, for every 500,000 in revenue, 75,000 is lost every year. An improvement to just 90% brings back an additional $25,000. Moving the needle to 96% results in an additional 55000 in revenue the first year. So I want to know about your program. Um, I'm interested in giving me a couple of keys about it. Um, but here's the thing I want to know, and this is a, a weird question. Why 96% retention program rather than 94, 95, or 97?
1: <laughs> you know, I, I've actually worked with a few different agencies, and, and there's not a lot out there um, that, that boast a, a 96% retention rate. Um, 96% is, is, uh, I, I think in my mind, if you can aim for 96%, doesn't mean that you're going to get there, but if you can aim for 96%, um, I think you're doing a lot of the right things that need to be done. Um, you know, 92%, 93% for a retention rate in an agency, especially that is heavily heavy on uh, personal lines. That's a solid percentage. It really is. is. Uh, But, you know, if if you're uh, largely commercial, um, especially if if you've got some niches, um, there's no reason not to strive for 96%.
0: Well, you know, and that's a very good point, because when you're talking about clients, yes, there's really maybe not much difference. And there is between 92 to 96. But when you're talking about premium size, there's a huge difference between 92 and 96%. Wrong, right about that?
1: No, no, I, I agree with you. I agree with yeah.
0: you. So so what are a couple little keys? I mean, what are some things that you see a lot of agencies doing um, that uh, that you think they need help with?
1: You know, the biggest challenge I think in our in our industry is the agency principle. And I know you like to refer to them as, as business owners, and I think that is appropriate. A large majority of, of uh, business owners in our industry are salespeople first, and business owners second, maybe even third down the, the down the line. Um, a lot of folks that ended up owning agencies, they did that because they were producers, and and that is really, I think, their their first uh, first point of attention in, in everything that we do. And so things get neglected that that true business owners uh, would pay attention to. Um, and I'm not saying that that, that mindset is wrong. Uh, I know some very, very successful agencies uh, where their their owner is very, very sales driven. Uh, but you've got to stop and you've got to take that hat off and you've got to put on the business owner hat. And you've got to, to first refine processes within your agency. Uh, and that process starts with the prospecting phase. Um, so, what we'll look at is, is we'll look at the prospecting phase, we'll spend a lot of time looking at the onboarding phase, and then we'll spend a lot of time looking at what are you doing to uh, to communicate, to touch that particular client throughout the, the year, uh, and then we wrap it up with the pre-renewal and the, the renewal phase. Um, and my goal is to go in there and put processes that are easily repeatable uh, in place, automate those as much as possible. Uh, so that that agency is now set up for success. Because you know I, I think a lot of agents talk about retention. I think a lot of agents read and, and, and look at a lot of content about retention, uh, but, but actually taking that information and, and making it practical, that's hard. That's hard for some people to do. Um, it's hard for some agency owners to sit down with their staff and say, look, I know change is hard, but we, we're gonna make some changes. Um, those are tough conversations for some people to have. And so I'm kind of that that third party that can help uh, with some of those tough conversations and help uh, transform an agency. You know, I talk this about so much. And I mean,
0: loyal listeners are probably tired of him listening, but that is the important part of that customer experience. Like you're talking about the prospecting, the lead generation, understand how you're funneling them, what the quoting process looks like, how you're onboarding them, how you're taking care of them, upselling, cross-selling, getting the referrals at the end, because that's what the companies do. The companies are are agencies, what the business owner does. You're so right. I mean, I, I, oh my God, I preach this so much. And it has to do with the fact that the agency of business owner is always teaching sales 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 trying to get out there and find people And really, we know we have a 30, 40, 50% closing ratio on them rather than effectively trying to really hone into what's the customer experience we're providing. Because when we provide that, then our clients will give us more referrals and we know we have an 80 to 90% retention ratio. It also costs more. I'm sorry, not an 80 to 90% closing ratio. It also costs more for us to create a new account rather than it is to keep one and get a referral. So not only is it not inefficient, it's also not productive, and what I call that is Um And and that is oh my gosh, I talk about this so much because it's constantly, and I hear people all the time. Uh, insurance is a sales business. It's a sales organization. You're right, it is a sales organization. But define what you mean by sale. Because are you talking about the cold kill of the prospecting them or are you talking about creating experience your clients are prospecting for you to them? And I just, I think, I do not agree disagree that it's a sales organization, but I really, really think and I ask every business owner out there to contemplate where is that sale occurring and who is it occurring to and how did you get that sale? Those can make all the difference in the world. And then on the back end, like you're talking about, if I've got somebody who's going out and telling other people about how great the insurance alliance is, why in the world would they leave themselves? Um, And then, and then Kevin, tell me if I'm wrong here on this one. Um, Am I true to say that like, okay, here, let's do it right now, Kevin. Um, All the loyal listeners out there in your mind, okay. I want you to assess what is your retention ratio for your agency. Let's give them three seconds, Kevin. Like a moment of silence. Here's the problem that I have found when I go into agencies nobody knows they'll tell you they know but nobody knows because they haven't measured it and if it's not not been measured or is not able to be measured or has been measured it's not true am i wrong and what are you seeing with other agencies out there kevin
1: no i mean that's that's absolutely step number 1 is let's let's see where your your retention uh percentage is and you're absolutely right there's a lot of agency owners that will stay oh, I'm at 92%. Okay, let's, let's take a look at the numbers. And the numbers may show something different or it's not uncommon to go in and, and figure out because agencies haven't utilized their agency management system Boom. properly, Boom. Uh, we can't really get a good determination of, of what their retention actually is. Um, and so we can actually spend the time to, to go back and try to recreate that, that information or we can actually sit down and we can say, um, with, with their agency management system, here's what you've got to do going forward so you can start to track this. And um, yeah, it, There's a lot of folks out there that have an idea what their retention is, but it's not backed up with, with actual data. And the retention,
0: as we said about 10, 15 minutes ago, is based on different things. You could have 100 clients and you only lose one and you have a 99% retention, but if that one client was literally 20% of your revenue, you have a bigger problem, you know what I mean? So it comes with the different things that you need to be recording as per what that retention is. Retention just means how much are you maintaining, so, or keeping. So clients versus revenue, it's a completely different thing. And unless you have a really good worksheet, Excel worksheet, you don't, if you don't have the data in your management system, which literally most people don't, there's no way you can assess that other than, and it's so amazing because very other little other things, Kevin, do we just pull out of the air? Like if I said to you, like, what was your growth last year? A lot of agents know that because they can look at their bank account versus 2015, versus what it was in 2016, total commissions coming in and they can say, here's what it is. And, and so they don't make that up, but yet they will absolutely make up retention. And I think you're exactly correct when you say out there that the average agency retention is 85%. And here's the deal, folks. The average, let's say that that's 60%. I'm that you're part of that 60%. It's kind of like 75% of people go shop online before they buy insurance or switch. A lot of agents want to just live in this closet and say, boy, that's terrible that other people's age clients are shopping. No, 75% of your clients are shopping as well. And that doesn't mean they want to leave, but that's a whole nother thing here. But 85% is the average retention ratio. Like I said, I thought it would be a little bit higher, but you know what? I have never measured that. (laughs) So I I don't know what all the other agencies are. I would say that just off off of what I've seen, I'm going to say that you're probably just as correct because a lot of the agencies I walk into anyways. And when I say a lot, I'm going to say if I walk into 10, eight to nine of them have really truly no idea of what their retention is versus they will tell you that in the first meeting by about the second, third or fourth meeting, they're kind of like, you know what? I really didn't have a clue of what it was. Um, and, And one thing I had never broke down was for every 500,000 in revenue, you're losing, uh, you've just lost 75,000 in sales. Now, here's what's amazing when I put that together. If you were at 500,000 in revenue and you increased your agency by 10%, which is actually below the average growth today, that means you raised your agency five fifty thousand dollars but yet you lost 75,000 out the back door. I don't know what math class anybody else out took out there, but that's a negative. And, and that, that's pretty eye opening when you think about that. So um, once again, that's based on revenue. It could be clients, could be whatever, um, whatever your agency does. I think if you measure it, you'll be kind of surprised. So wrapping this up now, because I think we've had some good juice. Don't you think we had some good juice in here, Kevin? Absolutely. Good call. Good call. Okay. So let's wrap this up with leaders or readers and readers are leaders. Are you a reader?
1: I am a reader, reader. Yes.
0: You got any books out there that you uh, would care to mention? Maybe one you're reading now, one you've read in the past that you think was pretty essential to
1: your life. Um, right now, working just started this weekend. I would started, uh, oh gosh, a couple months ago and, and got sidetracked and onto a different book. But right now, I uh, started rereading uh, Deep Work by Dr. Cal Newport, I believe it is. Deep Work. Yeah. Deep work. Uh, basically where, and I think this is, society is really got an issue with this, and I know personally I've got an issue with this, um, where we are constantly distracted in everything that we do. And and so really the importance on uh, taking your projects and shutting out distractions and, and devoting a, a certain amount of time every day uninterrupted to, to get those uh, projects done.
0: Right. And prospect being one of them.
1: Well, like we said, uh, 15 or 20 minutes ago, um, some agents will find a hundred other things to do besides prospecting. But if you put it on your calendar, you make it a priority. Um, I'm a big fan of you do it early in the day. Um, and, and, and don't make it, uh, negotiable, uh, just do it. That's, that's part of it. That's important.
0: That's right. I, and, and I tell people, um, just do it 20 minutes a day. And the reason why is we need to do it a lot more than that. But if you're not doing it all, just do it 20 minutes a day and do your best to do that for 14 days. If you can do it for 30 days, you there will be no way in the world you will not want to do it for an hour to two hours. I mean, because you just start to see it. It's a numbers game. That's one a big, uh, uh, big post right now on LinkedIn where a guy says it's not a numbers game. It's a skill game. And it, this guy got bombarded. And I'm glad he did because I was going to cry if people agreed with him. I think your numbers can help assess your skill, but your skill is going to sway your numbers. But the thing is, is if you heard that, numbers has to do with the skill, forward or backwards. The numbers game, if, I mean, it's like athletes. I mean, do you, do you think that, you know, um, Carlos, you know, what's his name?
1: Oh, Liam. I
0: don't know, Albert Pujols, who's actually having one of the worst years of his life. I mean, they know their numbers. And they know what they need to do to improve. They all have skill, but it's those numbers of what they're going to improve or, or take away from or concentrate on more that's going to improve that skill. So I, I'm so I'm, I was, this guy is on there. And, and he's actually an owner of a telemarketing firm. And I'm thinking to myself, how in the world... Are you the owner of a telemarketing firm and you don't believe numbers are important? Uh, I just, once again, I've said before and I'm exaggerating this point, but you come to me with no skill and I properly teach you how to prospect, you're gonna be successful. Now, if you have skill or you build upon that skill using those numbers, yes, you know, you can become, you can become a lot more productive, which is doing more with the same. But what's very, very important is are we being efficient with our time? And that's where we're, you know, actually doing less with the same. So I think, uh, I think that there's, uh, there, I really think that there's a lot of benefits to that. But Kevin, I really appreciate you coming on. Um, and where can people find out about you if they want to find out more
1: uh, besides LinkedIn? Uh, you can hit me up on social media. I do have a website, Kevin mokel which is dot com. Um and uh you can drop me a message on, on there or uh, reach out to me via phone from that website.
0: Yeah, you've got a bunch of good stuff out there. Um and even in the future here in the next probably three or four months, I'm gonna I'd like to reach out to you a little bit when it comes to LinkedIn marketing and the ninety-six percent retention ratio myself uh for the ultimate throwdown that I'm gonna be participating in in uh I'm gonna be moving my family shortly here folks, probably to North Carolina. I wanna say probably because nothing's a done deal. But it looks like it's going to be that way. But So, Kevin, um, I have been to your website. You do have a lot of cool stuff out there. You even have a three, uh, free 30-day challenge. So, uh, once again, people, I make no money from uh, any of this stuff that I do. I just ask that you go out and check it out. I try to bring the deliver the best that I can to you. Just like what I do with Kevin, I'll ask the same thing to you. You can find me at Jason at GrowProgram.com. Tell me your ideas. Tell me your thoughts, and I'm going to tell the world what you have to say. This has been Jason Cass with Agents Influence Podcast. See ya! Hey, agents, listen to this. Listen to this. What are we terrible at? Think of it. Think of it. Really? We're we're terrible at training, right? We're not very good at hiring. We're not very good, terrible at firing, actually. Uh, Terrible at creating process and some workflows